Do you know somebody who won't wear their seatbelt? Well, if they won't listen to their cars dinging, maybe you should add some of your own. Ding, 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 ding. Go ahead, ding, kids. Chime ding, in. Ding, ding, ding. Hey, you on the street, tell this guy to wear a seatbelt. Yep, it's okay to speak up because you know what? You could save their life. Learn more at buckleupva.com. A message from the Virginia Department of Motor Vehicles. Are you one of those people who thinks it's okay to drive stone? I mean, what's the worst that can happen? You end up driving below the speed limit? It's no big deal, right? Wrong. The truth is, your reaction times slow way down when you're high. You not only put yourself in danger, but everyone around you. Talk about a buzzkill. Stop kidding yourself. It's not okay to drive high. If you've been using marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high, get a DUI. Paid for by NHTSA. Well, I'm recording an intro for the Let's Go Eat show, and then when this gets put on to the Let's Go Eat show, the uh, episode will drop. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> That's what you say when you do it a podcast, apparently. The episode drops. Yeah. yeah. It drops. Okay. We're going to drop it on them. Uh, but first of all, let me tell you that the Let's Go Eat show is created and produced on a PC laptop's computer. New computers starting at just seven ninety nine. PC laptops, we love you. Speaking of PC laptops. Uh, yeah, the guest yeah. on this uh, episode of the Let's Go Eat show is... The guy who you most often hear saying, uh, at PC Laptops, we love you. It's Dan Young of PC Laptops. We talk about the creation of PC Laptops and how that all happened, but but so, so, so much more. You see the serious side of Dan Young of PC Laptops in this episode. I find him to be a very warm, sincere, and engaging guy. Yeah. He's a sweet guy in a lot of ways, and and he's he, different than I thought he'd be. Yeah, he's and he's uh, pretty much he's damn smart, very smart, and he's very uh, a very very nice man. You know, we uh, talk a lot about business and what makes him tick, and I think we never really said it, but I think he just works really hard all the time. I guess so. He seems to, yeah harder than I do for sure. Sure. Uh, uh, well, so anyway, we talked to Dan Young. I'm sorry to report, by the way, during this episode of the Let's Go Eat Show, I don't think there are any. There's no swearing. No, I don't, I don't think, think so, there yeah. was one. Nope. One damn don't, swear yeah. word. Okay. I'm sorry to report. So you could have your kids listen to this if you want. That's that's terrible. That's too bad. I feel really bad about this. There is no adult language used. So yeah. sorry. Take it for what it is. But without further ado, here it is. Uh, it's uh, Dan Young, PC Laptops. We love you. Is he, is he here? Yeah, he's in Sandy. Yeah. High energy guy. Is he? Yeah, he's just very talkative. Yeah. It was, uh, uh, you know, by the way, we've already probably started this podcast. Oh. That's how we do it. Right. Dan yep. Young, PC. We There's no formal be- beginning to the Let's Go Eat show. You just go. <laughs> and and uh, We don't even eat on it very much anymore. Well, we do sometimes. Uh, Dan Young, PC Laptops, is, is who we're talking to, um, who is a, a high-energy guy, as we all know. Although we're just sitting here chatting, and you've been kind of really laid back. Yeah. In the couple minutes we've been here. You're calm, although we both have coffee. Yeah, and his is an Americano. Yes. extra. Pow- I asked her for extra powerful. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever been here to this, this building? To the, uh, the pub- That's what it's called, the public the coffee Public shop. Public coffee? Yeah. I haven't been there, but uh, I'll keep going back. It's nice, good coffee. Nice really people. Good. Nice people. Uh, we're, ca- we're recording this uh, Let's Go Eat show in, at Pod Space, uh, and uh, we're going to talk to just, we're going to just find out what makes Dan Young who he is today. Uh, you see him on TV all the time doing crazy commercials for PC laptops. You see him online. You do a lot of commercials online for PC laptops, don't you? Yeah, online's been... Pretty popular, you know, for for a lot of our companies that we have. Um, but you know, we've really embraced traditional media as well, um, because I think it all works. It just depends what uh, you know, what demo you're targeting, mm-hmm. and how you want to target. You, you do. You still do a lot of radio. You do TV. You do online. Uh, you. I haven't seen you do any skywriting. No skywriting. <laughs> that would be cool. Yeah. However, meh, look into that. Uh, uh, you know, and have you ever done the thing where not skywriting, but where you have a plane tow a message behind? You know, where they 
you know, they'll tow a big banner behind a plane and fly around an event. That's That's been a while. That reminds me when I was a little kid back in the, you know, late 70s and at the beach in California. Right. And you'd yeah. go, look, mm-hmm. Skyrider. Yep. Oh, my goodness, Skyrider. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you'd see him flying back and forth across the beach. And a blimp once in a while. Yeah, advertising probably <laughs> yeah. suntan lotion or a beer maybe or something well, like that. Well, now it's usually um, web, just web addresses or even just uh, Twitter handles for products and things oh wow it's yeah so that's still a thing though you see those you still do occasionally i i always try to think about like so that guy's job he gets up every day goes to the airport they hooks a band and then he flies up and down boring the beach all day boring or is it just incredibly beautiful all day no it's boring you think it's boring i don't know (laughs) so so you so dan uh you grew up in southern california where and that Sherman Oaks area, and then you're the beach area near Redondo Beach. What's your so your your mom and dad, uh, who are both here in in Utah now? Yeah, but they they were they they didn't grow up there, did they? Uh, they grew up in Los Angeles. Act well as as teenagers, they all came here from China um, during the World War II stuff, <laughs> and they came to uh, California uh, to me. get to get away from the war. Yeah, to get away from a lot of the crazy stuff that was happening. Now, were they a little... You just told me, I don't know if we were recording or not, your dad's 88. Yeah. So, I don't know how... Was he just a little... He was a little kid. Teenager. He was a teenager during World War II. Mm-hmm. And he and he's got a, wanted to get away from the war, so he came here with his parents. Yeah. I would no, 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 no. Just, by, just him. and He came here, and then my mom came here, and uh, he got a job cleaning floors at General Motors as a janitor. <laughs> In Los Angeles. In Los Angeles. And then he got recruited by the U.S. Army to create uh, uh, propaganda for the U.S. Army <laughs> to drop leaflets over different countries. So he was designing all those pamphlets for the Army. He worked for the Army for a long time. What a brave thing to do, though. Come here by himself. He, did he have to kind of sneak to sca- escape something? Or did it was it, was it a, a legal flight out of China, a legal escape from the country? Or did he come here? Did he have to... I mean, I don't know. What were the circumstances of him coming here? Do you know? Yeah, so my grandfather was the ambassador from for China to Japan pre-World War II. Not good relations between those uh, two countries oh, at the man. time. So literally, um, they tried to get him to work for some of the new regimes, and he refused. Mm-hmm. And um, Your dad. Your dad or your grandfather. Your grandfather. So they yeah. blew up their house, confiscated everything. I mean, it was Jeez. pretty crazy. Um, and so my dad... This is how his ties to the army went a little bit. He helped a lot of American soldiers with different things in China, and they're like, uh, "We'll get you, we'll get you to the U.S., man." And thanks for helping us. And and they did. Yeah, and so he ended up in California. And, and did he know your mother in China? He knew her in China. They or? met in Los Angeles. Okay, so she yeah. she came here by a different route. Yeah, and they met in in Los Angeles. This is a great damn story. <laughs> Have you have you told this story much at, uh, to anybody or? Uh, I don't think it's no not not no, I don't think any podcast not super deep really. Yeah. I mean, it's a crazy upbringing that they had. I mean, people in China were being executed in the streets. I mean, it was crazy. And yeah. my mother told me they used to um, they poisoned all the 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 kids' food, the rice bins for the orphanage. Like soldiers, uh, the enemy soldiers were doing that. I mean, they were just. Crazy atrocities happened. She was in an orphanage. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Didn't know her parents, really. She did, but, you know, in China, she uh, she had, like, uh, eight brothers and sisters, and mainly girls. And girls were not... Kind of expendable. <laughs> yeah, they weren't treated well. Yeah. So uh, she was actually triplets. Two <laughs> of her sisters, they just threw them, in the, threw them in the dumpster, literally at the hospital. And my uh, her grandmother pulled her out. So crazy, yeah, crazy story. We went to an orphanage and, uh, yeah, God, I I want to interview your parents too. <laughs> They've been through it. Oh my God! Yeah. So she made her way to Los Angeles. She meets your dad in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. uh, and they're they're pretty much really young teenagers or in their twenties, and they get married there. And your dad is they're poor and we're pretty poor, <laughs> but they start having a family. Yeah, how many siblings do you have? One brother, one sister. Yeah, uh, and but they start doing pretty well. My dad was uh, an artist, so uh, he worked for Mattel for a while. And uh, when he did good on his campaigns, like he worked on the Barbie doll campaign, mm-hmm. 
he did really well, got some good bonuses. Sometimes things were tough. And then at a certain point in time, he got laid off, and that's when we went really poor. I mean, mm. we, were, we were counting change to uh, to buy groceries. It was pretty crazy. Yeah. But you, you, so, so you consider yourself like a middle, kind of a middle class Chinese American kid. Yeah, middle class, and uh, then spouts of massive poverty. <laughs> yeah, uh, where you know we were broke and lost our house, and it was. You remember that? Oh, horrible! Like my my parents were crying. My mother was crying because she didn't know how to feed us. It was it was pretty bad. Uh, they spoke uh, Chinese in the house. Yeah, uh, in the house, no. In fact, they said we don't want our children to speak Chinese in the house because if you're going to get along in America. People shouldn't be able to tell whether you're Chinese or, you know, you're born mm-hmm. here in the U.S., mm-hmm. wherever you're from. You should be able to negotiate like the locals if we're going to live here. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean, though, they didn't like us learning some Chinese, mm-hmm. but uh, English would be our first language. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so, so I assume you know a little Chinese, but not a lot. Just a little, a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how, are you, what, where do you fall in the order of kids? Are you? Youngest. You're the youngest. Yeah. Are you kind of the kind of the little the baby of the family like they do they treat you kind of like they dote on you and yeah spoil yeah. you and the seven years you know seven years later uh, so so your bro- older brother and sister they're they were kind of they've they moved on a little bit and and here comes here comes little Daniel is it Daniel yep yep Daniel. there's little Daniel and they you were sort of I bet you were kind of you're 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 the favorite uh, in a lot of ways, uh-huh. I mean, they, you know, raise another another kid. Right? Yeah. <laughs> what are your What do your siblings do? What are your my They're both geniuses when it comes to academics. My sister's like master's degree. My brother's like a he's a psych, psychology degree, master's degree. They're super smart. There, I never made it with academics. I I think I had a one point two GPA <laughs> through high school and mm-hmm. little college. You know. And do they end up? What do they end up doing? For the for living the your brother and sister, so brother he's a writer, and uh, he he writes like meditational uh, meditation programs and things and loves it. Is he here or in L.A.? Boulder, Colorado. Boulder, oh uh, the the heart yeah. of hippy dippy meditation and yeah, he's all like of that a Chinese hippie. He's awesome. <laughs> Is he really? Yeah, yeah he's cool. He's yeah. got the big ponytail and. Really cool. He's yelling, yeah. meditating. He, he he like levitates himself. Does <laughs> he's <laughs> awesome. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then sister, she went into um, she ran a medical practice for her husband, and mm-hmm. they just retired. They sold it and did pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what is it? Uh, so they're bright, very bright. Is what is it about the Chinese? There's this kind of Asian or Chinese stereotype that of uh, the prize of learning and. You know what I mean? And they really uh, want to pursue the, it's like the parents, you know, you've got to learn, you've got to be academically, uh, uh, you've got to be academically successful. Uh, there seems to be a demand on that. What? How does that play out? Did your parents demand that? My parents at first demanded that from my brother and sister, but because I was such a delinquent, they kind of gave up on that concept. <laughs> you, mm-hmm. you broke that? Yeah. You broke their spirit? Well, my dad was an artist, remember? Yeah. And, and so he's like, man, you got to do what you love. You know, you you don't have to do anything, Dan. Do anything you want, but do amazing things, you know? Mm-hmm. So they were very lo- low pressure. I mean, they wanted me to go to college and get this degree. And I ended up getting it, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, the main premise was be happy and make it be a good human. I saw I saw something that you had said about you had a, a period of your life growing up in L.A. where there were you were there were temptations of life that you were you could have gone down and maybe started down some wrong yeah. paths with with uh, uh, gangs and stuff in your neighborhood. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Well, as a child. Um I didn't have a really big physical stature. I was kind of a skinny kid, you know, runt kind of dude. Um, and I was bad acad- academically, so sometimes when I was little, kids actually would would call me retard. They're like, dude, you can't play sports. You're getting Fs, you know. So I was always the last kid picked on the team and stuff and just had was scared to talk to people, very introvert. And then um, I met this guy named Tony, and he's like, man, you hang out with us? You're going to be pretty safe, popular. Mm-hmm. We'll get you a car. 
we'll get you money. You can have everything you want and no one ever bully you again. So I started hanging out with those guys and it was true. Mm-hmm. Um, but we got into some big trouble uh, because all that didn't come without a price. Uh, but it taught me how to be extrovert a little bit and mm-hmm. it taught me how to be fearless. And it got me a little materially motivated at a young age because we were so poor and literally come from my poor. I remember I came home and I gave my mother $4,000 in cash. I go, mom, here, you can buy food. Mm. Where does that 4000 bucks come from? I'm like, oh, we're selling t-shirts at the beach, mom. Mm. And uh, she's like, oh, thank you for helping us make a big difference. So mm. I saw my mom happy and and then it came to this big thing where we got in trouble. As, we were only 15 years old. Mm-hmm. I was only 15. And we got in this big trouble. And we went, I went to juvenile hall. And that was, that was the big come to Jesus mm-hmm. moment, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You weren't selling T-shirts at the beach, were you? Uh, we were doing dumb things. So. <laughs> very, very stupid teenager stuff. So, yeah. I mean. But, you, li- but you, you did like the material lifestyle you found out. Well, it felt good to be yeah. needed and valued and be able to sell people stuff and make people smile and mm-hmm. and those kind of things. And and ironically, though, we did sell. And this is funny because I, I would not lie to my mother. We did sell. We had a beach stand, my friend Dennis and I, and we would buy knockoff uh, guest jeans mm-hmm. and shirts that said like Nike and Adidas. <laughs> yeah. And we had this little T-shirt stand and we would hawk these at the beach as teenagers. Mm-hmm. And we'd actually make pretty good money doing this. And people were like, you know, oh, that's pretty nice <laughs> merchandise. <laughs> so we sold a lot of apparel. Too. Mm-hmm. So that was, yeah. you know. Yeah. But you were headed in the wrong direction. Very wrong. Why do you, why <laughs> do you think you're not, because you're not a dumb guy, obviously. Why, why do you think, what, what was your problem academically, do you think? Have you figured that out? Uh, I didn't know the why. So none of the teachers told me why. I was like. And now I actually realize the why. So with math, I failed algebra five times. Mm. And I was like, why do I need this? Why, why? And no one ever told me why. Mm-hmm. They were just like, you need to do this. So, mm. But now when I'm running my companies, um, this math that I learned, finally I passed it and did really good. It's a beautiful gift to be able to forecast what's going to happen with investments yeah. with this mathematics. You understand it now. Well, yeah, but I wish they told me that when I was little. Like, you could make a lot of money with this math stuff. But I thought, when am I ever going to use this? Mm. So, uh, yeah, that was it. The second thing is distractions, you know. I couldn't hold still in class. Remember they used to write, put a check by your name? I don't know if when you are a little kid they'd be like, Dan or Bill, you're talking too much. Yeah. Uh, Write your name on the board. You get three Mm -hmm. check marks and you you have to go to the principal's office. You know, the bad part about it, though, is back then when I was little, they used to actually physically spank you when you got sent to the principal's Mm -hmm. office. So they had the woodshop dude. I remember his name, Mr. Hogan. He had a wood paddle with, like, these air holes drilled to it. (laughs) Dude, and the dude would, like, beat the crap out of me. And after a while, I would just laugh. (laughs) I'd be like, okay, let's go, man. And, you know, he'd hit me with it. I'd be like, whatever. You know, I mean. Mm. And uh, so it was weird how they used pain, but they just wouldn't explain to you what the whole point was. You know, uh, it was strange, but mm. that w- that was life back in the seventies and eighties. Right? So, <laughs> so, so, so finally, you come around. So, how did you end up here in in Utah? So, my sister worked at the University of Utah. She was an academic advisor, mm. and so when I had my little juvenile hall, you know, stint, when I got out of there. I had a choice. My parents actually said, you know, hey, what are you going to do? My sister's like, yo, you know, you should move in with me. So she took me under her wing, moved me in there. And they sent you to Utah. Yeah. They lived sent- with her. And she helped me. Like, she's smart. And she helped me. She's an advisor. So she helped me plan life a little, which was cool because no one ever did that. Mm. So it was awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so you you started going to school here and living with your sister and... Yeah, I went to Highland mm-hmm. High School here in Utah and uh, was living with her. And then, you know, really I didn't have any money, though. Um, and I didn't want to mooch off of her and eat all her food in her fridge. And she didn't let me borrow her extra car. She had this beat-up Toyota Corolla with 200,000 miles. <laughs> and she's like, you can borrow this. And then her husband started getting really sick of me. She's like, this is not our kid. This is your, your delinquent brother. <laughs> so I got a, I got a job selling carpet cleaning by calling people's phone numbers out of the phone book and literally dialing them on the phone. Mm-hmm. 
and selling carpet cleaning, and I got really good at it. Uh, and so I was able to get my own apartment, which was pretty cool after a few months. You're a good salesman. Yeah, just call people. Hey, you need your house cleaned? And mm-hmm. people would be like, sure. I'm like, mm-hmm. we got a special. Do you want to do it? We can book you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We'd go clean it, and they were happy and book more. So mm-hmm. pretty easy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have a good, I mean, you're, you're casual about it, and, you know, you go go clean people. They get good at it and do it. And so you made enough money to do that, and then you, you get through high school, and then what do you do? So then I started selling um, electronics at a place called Radio Shack. You mm-hmm. remember, they sure. just went out of business. But I worked used- at a Radio Shack for a month and a half. Did you? It was fun, huh? Yeah. No, yeah, it was <laughs> no. awful. <laughs> we would sell fuses and stuff. But Boy, you got you enroll people in the battery club. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, the, and the red battery and the blue batteries. Mm-hmm. When I worked there, it was like it was very clear their days were numbered, and it was all about selling cell phone plans. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. Well, was, that was more recent then. Yeah, this was mm-hmm. a few years ago. Ours was helping the fix-it-yourself dude mm-hmm. and the new computer yeah. enthusiast get their first computer. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's, that's when Radio Shack was cool. Yeah, and build like their own radio. Remember yeah. the radio mm-hmm. kit with crystals and mm-hmm. stuff. Was it a Tandy company? Yep. It was a t- you know Tandy company was also they did leather work. The other part, the Tandy company, they did like made moccasins and yeah, weird and, huh? and wallets and tandy crap leather. like that. Yeah, yeah Tandy <laughs> leather. It was weird. So that that was good. But I met one of my mentors there. Actually, he was an old guy that just liked to do nerdy scientific stuff, mm-hmm. and I kind of became his computer guy and. He mentored me on how to make a lot of money. And this this old guy was worth hundreds of millions of dollars. He used to come into, uh, I worked in Valley Fair Mall. Mm-hmm. And he used to come into Valley Fair Mall and be like, Dan, let's sit down and talk about computers. And then he'd be like, let me let me show you how you can make a lot of money by investing. Hmm. And so I started investing at 18 years old. Hmm. And uh, it was pretty cool. Just in little, little stocks, little penny stocks or what? Um, stocks, but also real estate. I bought a duplex in Sugar House. I remember he was like, what are you, what, what are you doing? Where are you living? And I'm like, I'm renting. And so I bought a little duplex, I remember, for 50 grand, 52 grand, and rented half of it out to a friend. You lived in one side? and I lived in one side. Mm-hmm. But his rent payment covered the mortgage payment. Mm-hmm. And then like two years later, some dude comes in and offers like 180 grand for it. And I was like, what? Mm-hmm. And then the real estate guy's like, yeah, buy some more. And I'm like, okay, so... <laughs> It was all by chance, really, meeting this cool dude. And, mm. and then he taught me about, you know, investing in the stock market and, and those things. And mm. I didn't have that much money. You know, I only made like 17 grand a year at Radio Shack. Mm-hmm. But uh, every month I'd save a few hundred bucks, a couple hundred bucks. You mm-hmm. know? <laughs> and, it was, and, it, uh, just, and it was just a chance meeting with this customer at Radio Shack. Uh, great old dude, man. Mm. Yeah. Sit down and Still around? Uh, no, I think it, it's been so many years. Mm. But he was cool. He would bring me... Uh, you know that place in the mall? What was it? A hot dog on a stick? Yeah, still there, I think. Yeah, he would like bring over here. Hey, man, you have the computer. I brought you some food. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, thanks, man. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah. Great education. Mm-hmm. That's better than that was better than all the college I did. Yeah. So you, uh, <laughs> but you, and you were going? Did you go to college at the same time you were doing all this? Yeah, Salt Lake Community College. Because when you have a low GPA, they're a little more accommodating. Yeah. That's a, you know, uh, Salt Lake Community College, I've come to, uh, you know, know a lot about them over the years, just from being in radio, you know, and you kind of, you do ads for them, you get to know some of the people who go there. It's a really, go- it's a great place. Great school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wonderful, because you can work and learn. Mm-hmm. If you learn they'll, and they'll do things around your schedule. And yeah, so you went to Salt Lake Community College, worked at, worked at Radio Shack and yeah. ate at Hot Dog on a Stick, <laughs> invested in real estate and stuff well, all at the same time. Yeah. Met my wife at college at, at 19, Yeah, which was cool. The, wom- the woman you're still married to today? Yeah, I mean, best wow. best thing about college ever. Yeah. Um, because I remember when we started our, well, let me go to the next thing. I went to work at this place called Silo, which is like Best Buy. I remember the Silo stores, yeah. And I, be- and I was the crappiest salesman there, actually. They had 5,000 people, and I was like 4,200. <laughs> I was so horrible. Why? But I still made twenty grand a year instead of seventeen, so it was a raise. You yeah. Know? There you go. Well, you're a pretty good, but you're a pretty good salesman. Why were you so bad at Silo? Um, I don't know. I just didn't get the knack of it. And, and I talked to this this guy named Ron, this crazy guy from Texas who used to smoke two packs a day. My boss, <laughs> and he'd be like, "Sally, you're gonna make me look bad." And literally, that was his voice. You're gonna make me look bad. So, and he would pull you out literally in the hallway, and if you didn't sell, he would take this he would smoke these cool cigarettes and blow this cloud of smoke in your face (laughs) 
with all his spit. And, yeah. And he'd be like, you're making me look bad, son. And I go, what do I do, Ron? I mean, what do you want me to do, man? And he's like, look at the list. These are the top three guys. And I know these guys still today. So he gave me the name of the top three guys. This guy, Mike, uh, Manny, and Jason. These guys were making almost um, six figures. Really? Yeah, as like it's like selling. As I recall, they sell washing machines and uh, camcorders. Camcorders. I mean, it was Computers. like a little bit of everything. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. everything. Like, yeah, like a Best Buy kind yeah. of. And so those three guys, I took them to a hamburger. He goes, take them, take them out, learn. I'm like, so I took them all to eat, and they taught me their skills. And within, um, what was the secret that they had that you learned? Each one had a skill, yeah. but not one had all. And so, for example, Manny was sell the value of the warranty that comes with buying a, a product here, you know. S- let people know what they're actually buying. Don't just rush them along and try mm-hmm. to take their money. Like, let them know so they're getting something really for what they're paying for. Okay. Mm-hmm. Jason, uh, Manny was all, is all about features and benefits. People got to know what features are on that gadget and how it's going to make their life yeah, better. Yeah, I'm a features guy. I like I like to know about the features. That's me. Yeah. And then uh, Jason Robles, he actually still sells Jeeps out here in Utah. He mm-hmm. he just taught me, man, like be friends with everybody. Be the most likable guy in the world. Ask them about their family and care. Mm-hmm. Like care about people. So I just combined all three and then became number one out of 5,000 people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, bounce between number one to three mm-hmm. with those guys for mm-hmm. – five years all four of you kind of became the yeah but it was cool man because they were just like here's the recipe yeah <laughs> and it was, i didn't have to change myself that much just did it yeah I'm, it, wow. just i i'm i'm really enjoying this story i gotta tell <laughs> uh, tell you dan this is a this is a great story Thank you. uh how's your fan and so when did you get married to your uh, wife that you met at salt lake community college you met her at age 19 Nin- 19 years old you were 19 did you get married right away uh, after six months yeah so you're like 20, you get married? Night, night, well, I met her early 19, just yeah. turned 19, and we got married at 19. <laughs> yeah, that's not supposed to work, you know. Yeah. It's not supposed to work out. Yeah. You get married, you're 19, 20, you're, I, 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 you have no idea how much I'm enjoying this, by the way. <laughs> it's crazy. You're She's just, so awesome. No, uh, yeah. Yeah, I just am enjoying this because I say that's not supposed to work out, and you're so uh, genuine, by the way, when you say... Yeah, but it does, and it's a, yeah. it's 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 real. I like it. It's more because of her how patient she was. Probably <laughs> it wasn't because of me. <laughs> it's probably yeah. true. Uh, so you get married. Uh, you're working at Silo. Uh, you're doing all of this stuff. You're still going to school. You start a family right away. Uh, no, didn't no, have, you, you didn't waited have for a while for like seven years after. Yeah, that's there was a oh. smart move. But but Ron, the, you know, I'm the smoking boss. Yeah, yeah. He's like Dan. I got bad news for him. Like what? He goes, we're screwed. I'm like, what? He goes, the company that owns the side of England, bankrupt. Mm-hmm. Next week, no job. Liqu- liquidation sale. Yeah. You get to stay through the sale? And I'm like, yeah, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. He goes, what are you going to do? Go work at Circuit City <laughs> like everybody else or RC Willie? Yeah. I go, probably. Mm-hmm. And he goes, you shouldn't. And I go, why? He goes, because you're better. And I go, what do you mean I'm better? He goes, look, I'm going to give you the list of all the customers that you sold extended warranties and computers too and i want you to call these people i'm like okay so i give me this list of just the customers i had sold computers because we had rapport mm-hmm. and i called them and i said hey you know you've probably seen this company's announced they're going out of business here's my pager number i got a pager mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh i want you to page me if you need help with your computer and i'll call you back and i'll come out or whatever and honor honor the warranty and my wife's like, why are you doing this? And I go, because Ron told me to do this. <laughs> She's like, Ron, he's an idiot. I'm like, no. I go, this is good. She's like, well, I guess you can do this. And so that first year we lost, I lost 25000 more than twenty five grand. It was all our savings that we had made on like that first house. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had some equity, you know, so we had lost, I lost all that. And I was thinking, I was this close to becoming a heating and air conditioning salesman. Mm-hmm. I was actually going to go do it. I heard it was good money, you know? Yeah, sure. And then uh, suddenly, this, this next year, my phone, my beeper started going off the hook, and it got busy. I mean, people were saying, hey, I want to buy stuff. The businesses, like, and, and it was incredible. Uh, and then one customer bought 
hundreds of these $3,000 really powerful computers. And I remember like we had made literally like $100,000 in a deal. And then that year we ended up writing a million dollars in business. Mm. And then my wife's like, Good thing you listen to Ron. <laughs> so, so, so Ron said, call these people. So what you set up kind of your own company out of just ca- calling those people. You set up your own company? Is that how that worked? Yeah, a little LLC. And I, I, my pitch was simple. Let's say it was you, Bill. I'd be like, hey, Bill, Dan over here at Silo, uh, mm-hmm. as you've heard, we're going out of business. Mm-hmm. You bought a computer for me. You've been a client for years. I have your paperwork here. Here's my pager number. Look, if you need computer help, I will honor any labor or anything like that for free Mm -hmm. if you need to buy parts i gotta charge but i'll give you a good deal you know Mm -hmm. but uh just call me okay if you need anything and Mm -hmm. and, you know you'd be like cool all right all right and And so would (laughs) people would call you occasionally for parts and where where would you you just get the parts wholesale and pick up the parts Mm -hmm. wholesale and then um install it Mm -hmm. you know and you know that's where i came with the lifetime service guarantee thing i'm like hey you you buy a computer for me i will do the labor for you for free forever you know, I will need to make money on parts so I can stay in business. Right. But I'll take care of you and you can page me. Any, and, but pretty soon I was working 100 hours a week and I had to hire help. Yeah. yeah. And so, but so these people, you know, they buy the computers from you and you're kind of fixing them, making a little bit of money on a part here and there. And then they start saying, well, I want to upgrade to a whole new computer. And then you start selling. That's them. when you start making money. That's when you start selling them whole new computers. Yeah, and it was interesting. I remember, um, do you know Tony Toscano? Yeah. So Tony used to own a computer store called QED. Okay. And quite easily done. It's funny, uh-huh. years back. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I started thinking to myself, hey, I got all these other computer guys out that have computer stores, and they're buying parts, and they're paying X number of dollars for it. What if I took all this money and bought crap loads of parts, put it in my basement, and I could get it cheaper, still sell it to them cheaper than they could buy, deliver it instantly, and uh, make a little markup. I told them, like, hey, I got to make 20% on you, man. But And they're like, look, as long as it's cheaper than when I buy it somewhere else, 10%, I'll buy from you. So all these computer stores started buying their parts from me. So we kind of became the, uh, the part supplier. Gotcha. As well as taking care of the end user. Yeah. But it lowered our cost of goods immensely. And it actually became the demise of all those guys reselling because our pricing was so aggressive yep. that, I mean, we could sell it for what places we're buying for. Yeah. You know, you so so then you had a uh, you were associated with totally awesome computers. Yeah, you want to hear the story? Yeah, tell <laughs> us that story too. How did that all come about? And uh, and it was Dell Shanzi and all and totally awesome computers and PC laptops. How did that all happen? So I had a store in Ninth South, three twenty five East. It's a tattoo shop now, mm-hmm. um, and that's we got that space. It was only a few hundred dollars a month, um, and then. Dell owned a shipping store next door called the Pack and Ship Store or something. And uh, he used to come over after work to play video games from us, and he bought computers from us. Um, and, uh, and that was kind of his his thing. And then one day I went to visit him, and he had some sort of sign, and it said, you know, computers for sale, you know. And his pitch was, uh, hey, you can, I, same computers Dan is selling for less money next door, you know. And I'm like, what? I'm hey. like, dude, I'm like, this is kind of weird. <laughs> mm-hmm. So to make a long story short, I wasn't pleased with that. He was partners with his brother. And then I said, dude, that's just really weird. Like, And he's, uh, and then finally I said, why don't you move your shop, you know, maybe at least a few buildings down or something? <laughs> or uh, I don't know. So him and his brother moved to Redwood Road in 54th. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't, I didn't like the way that went down. I had a bad taste in my mouth for yeah, years. Why are you doing this to me? I yeah. just felt like. Wow, I came and learned all my secrets and then yeah. opened up next door for an advertised fifty dollars less. That was mm-hmm. weird. So um we weren't we were at not talking too much. Finally I reached out to him and I said, Hey, uh and he opened he expanded a lot quicker than me. He was maybe a little more courageous. Do you know somebody who won't wear their seatbelt? Well if they won't listen to their cars dinging, maybe you should add some of your own. Ding, ding, ding. Go ahead, kids. Chime in. Hey, you, on the street, tell this guy to wear a seatbelt. Yep, it's okay to speak up. Because you know what? You could save their life. Learn more at buckleupva.com. A message from the Virginia Department of Motor Vehicles. The... 
Is it morning yet? Deal. How about now? Or now? Because morning time is McDonald's breakfast time. And that's the best time of all the times. Wake up with a little splash of sweetness. Get any size iced coffee from caramel to hazelnut to French vanilla for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. I'm a little more conservative. And then I said to him, hey, uh, I really don't want to do desktop computers. I just want to do laptops. I'm changing my company. We were called Elite Systems. I, ch- I wanted to change it to PC laptops because I felt mobile was the future, right? Right. So I sent him all of my desktop customers. And I think he racked up, I don't know, an extra $5 million in business that year because mm. I gave it to him. Mm-hmm. And he goes, you can have laptops. Laptops are the most headache in the world because none of the parts are universal. Yeah. So that's why PC laptops became PC laptops. And then about 2006, um, he ran into you know, a bunch of different problems, a whole bunch of them, and he was forced to close his stores. And so uh, I took over the, some of the leases and hired probably half his guy, almost half his guys, his best ones. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't hire everybody. Brought them on board, and, and that's how... Uh, <laughs> that's how, that's how that's it how we happened. Here. Yeah. yeah, there was some. I knew there was some sort of loose association with it. I think, I think it was um, people that assumed you were the same business at one time, and that never was the case, really. I have to give him credit, though. I mean, a lot of people think you know he's um, crazy or whatever, but inside there's good to everybody, and there's a good part to his heart. I mean, some of the stuff he does is crazy, but mm-hmm. very much there's some good parts to his heart. And the one thing that is this. I used to dress up in a suit when I advertised and say, we have great computers and we're going to take care of you. Mm-hmm. And we did good. We did a million dollars. But then he's like, dude, people are not like that anymore, man. You got to let loose. They won't trust you if you look like an insurance salesman, <laughs> you know, or mm-hmm. men in black or whatever. I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, what do you mean? He goes, just put on your Hawaii shirt because that's how you are. Get on there and do funny stuff and make people laugh. If you entertain them, I mean, just be you, they're going to love it. So I'm like, okay. And I thought, I really thought that uh, that, that wasn't going to work. <laughs> so I tr- and so he goes, like, tell you what, let's go into the advertising, let's go to the radio station together and buy ads and say, hey, Dan's going to buy this much, I'm going to buy this much, can you cut us like an agency discount or something since we're yeah. buying so much? So we got like 15 That's a smart off. idea. Yeah. Smart. It was a good deal. And you guys did those ads together and they were funny. Yeah. <laughs> they were funny and, and, uh, and he was right about that. Yeah. They were, they're stupid over-the-top ads and people paid attention to them. And then busy. I mean, mm-hmm. we went from that million in revenue, I think, to like next year, two million, five million, ten million. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. uh, people loved it because it was real. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's yeah. what you and, get. <laughs> and to this day, you still do kind of over the top ads. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I went to more serious again for a little bit because our corporate sales have been skyrocketing. You know, um, but then we decided with the team, you know, let's go back to a little bit funny. I mean, have some fun. Yeah, it works too serious anyway, man. Let's make it fun for people. It's interesting to me that uh, you, this is the serious side of you right now, and you are you you are very serious. You're a pretty <laughs> serious, straight-ahead guy, uh, and I don't think people see that side of you very much because you're always, you know, hey, we love you, <laughs> and that's what they associate uh, you with. And uh, it's really interesting to see the kind of genuine side of you as well. Um, you have uh, so many other businesses. You have five businesses that you do? Yeah, we have... I have a few different in addition to PC laptops. Yeah. What so PC laptops which is just which does it just rolls along, right? I mean it does just what it does and it's it's great. It's yeah. very solid. It's good. It's continually growing every year and mm-hmm. everybody in Utah and and Vegas have been just awesome and a lot of local support. Yeah. Um, so it's it's great. Mm-hmm. Um we also are one of the largest manufacturers of gaming computers. So if you look at some of these um gaming arenas like in las vegas and around the country we're building a lot of the high performance gaming computers uh, for pro esports mm-hmm. um, so that's that's a very huge thing right now we also build lots of computers for uh, medical government military a lot of people don't know this we're one of the largest manufacturers of golf simulators in, in the world mm. so we we produce and medical diagnostic equipment so we we make a lot of interesting things mm-hmm. um and of course, real estate has become has always been in, in my blood a little bit, but really that was still a mistake because um, we started buying real estate because you know you'd pay rent to your landlord for a store, 
And some of these guys were retiring and they're like, Dan, you want to buy this little strip mall? I'm like, I can't afford a strip mall. They're like, well, I'll finance you. And your payment will be hmm, about what you're paying for rent anyway. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I guess if it's no more money, I'll buy it. They're like, okay. So we ended up buying a bunch of commercial real estate by mistake over the last couple of decades. And then commercial real estate, land prices went up mm-hmm. pretty heavily. So, you know, been pretty lucky, you know, with that. Oh, you, oh, I see. You, you accidentally became a, a commercial real estate. Uh, you, you accidentally became very successful. That was weird. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm thinking, I mean, logically it's the same price. So, I mean, okay. I yes. Guess. And then something weird happened in 2013, 14. I had a professor from the University of Utah come in. Like he was like a part-time professor. And he wanted to buy like five computers. And, and they were expensive. They were like $5,000 each. And I'm like, what, what are you doing with these for your class? He goes, yeah, we have a project that we're doing. This is 13. And he's like, uh, it's called Bitcoin. And I'm like, what's Bitcoin? He goes, well, it's this blockchain, blah, blah, blah. Okay, we'll build them for you. He goes, now one thing I would recommend you do, Dan, here's the design and what you need. And here's the code that you need to put into mine. You should set up a couple in your warehouse, get a bunch of these Bitcoins and see what happens. And I'm like, okay. So he bought these computers and then I set up a couple of these computers. And so in 2014, we built 4,300 mining rigs and filled the whole warehouse with them <laughs> in 2014. Wow. I remember our electric bill was like $50,000 a month. Uh, it was crazy. Um, and it did really well. Bitcoins went up to like $1,500 from like $5 or something. Uh, and it was crazy. And we were just like, we're rolling in it. And then I, I brought in some different people to invest in it and things. And then Bitcoin dropped to $150, mm-hmm. <laughs> like from 1500 And then everyone was like, I want my money back. So um, a lot of the guys that got involved, I just gave them their money back. And I'm like, just give me your Bitcoins, man. And uh, it turned out to be crazy. I don't know. I I understand very little of what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to Bitcoin, is it's a. I mean, I hear about it, but it's something that is n- is not clear to me how this all works. You set up mining. I can explain it to you very quickly. So okay, I'll give you the quick, okay. easy. Okay, yeah. give us a Dumb Bitcoin. Dumb it down a shade yeah. and let us give us a Bitcoin. So, so I want you to think about it. Bitcoin is basically a giant like ledger so you know like your checking account ledger like you show money going in and out mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. transactions like a statement like a bank statement mm-hmm. okay it's a copy of everybody's bank statement who 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 transacts in bitcoin and it's all stored in on everybody's computer right okay okay so that's what it is there's like 21 million bitcoins are that are, that are allowed to be manufactured so what, what happens you have these computers and they do mathematical calculations right and after a certain amount of work, they spit out a Bitcoin. So a little bit confusing. But why people like it, though, is because everybody has a copy of the record. So it's hard to cheat it, right? It's hard to cheat the system. There are only 21,000 in existence? 21 million. Or 21 million? Maximum. In existence yeah, right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's it's not up to 21 million yet. But, and that's why it's like, okay, well, there's a finite amount and honesty is there because you have to be able to, you can see what everyone's doing on it. Mm-hmm. And that was the whole concept. And of course, you know, emotions came into play and that's why it went up to like $20,000 for a moment, you know, because everybody was hyped on it. And then and then now it's gotten boring. And so now it's down to 3,500 and I don't know, maybe it drops to $150 again. How do you, how do you acquire the Bitcoins? Uh, the easiest way, there's a website called... Uh, there's many out there, but Coinbase is one you see on the news, mm-hmm. and Coinbase is like um, it's like a like a brokerage type of thing, you know. And if you think about, it, you just log into it, and then you can hit buy, and it takes money out of your checking account, and turns it into it. So I I could go there today, and actually use my real hard-earned dollars, and buy these virtual. It's I would be essentially buying virtual dollars. Virtual dollars now. Here's the thing, though. Remember, Bill, it, it could drop to zero. Mm-hmm. I mean, but Warren Buffett and all these guys say that it's the dumbest thing in the, in the universe. Yeah. Because there's nothing to back it. Because there's, yeah. I, but, but, but really, is there anything to, is there really anything to back my hard-earned do- dollars? There used to be gold, mm-hmm. yeah. but there isn't anymore. 
it's just what we all agree upon. It's all virtual money, isn't it? It is. Like, the yeah. dollar's worth really nothing. What, it's what, it's what, what you we, feel. <laughs> it's what we agree upon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, so, and that's the same thing with this stuff. Yeah. So. And so, I mean, there. I, so what I understood about, I guess I do understand Bitcoin. Uh, and there, there are people who have said that they... Well, uh, what I understand about, what I think I know about Bitcoin, too, is that some people object to it because they, they say that it people use it to uh, uh, do illegal transactions. People say that, but you know what's funny? You ever watch, you know, you Google on the internet, like, drug lord bust? Mm-hmm. There's always, like, U.S. dollars sitting there in the basement. Yeah, there's, there's not, like, bitcoins on wallets. Yeah, it's there's stacks of cash. Ben Franklin's, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. And, yeah. and gold AK-47s, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, El Chapo, I don't think, they didn't, he didn't have a pocket full of bitcoin. No. He had money. A lot of Ben Franklin's. Right? Yeah. 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 It's fascinating. Uh, it's, it's interesting. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, I think you like like the idea just because it's fascinating to you. Well, here's, you know, I, I have a podcast called Dan's Millionaire Code mm-hmm. on iTunes and everywhere, but... On this, on my show, what I, it's kind of my newest thing. I, li- I like to share my experience. I don't, I don't tell people what to buy, but to share what's worked for me. And I bring in, and you were on, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, I bring in people that are superstars in whatever area of their life, whether it's financial or healers or influencers, people that change the planet. And th- these people share their experience to better the world. And um, that's been my big thing now. And one thing I teach is this for investing is, cons- you know, it's easy to buy investments when things are hyped. Like when homes are hot, like, you know, in real estate's hot. Everyone's like, I want to buy a new home. It's probably the dumbest time to buy, right? When stock market's skyrocketing, people are like, I want to buy stocks. And when Bitcoin, everything. But the smartest time to buy, I always say, is all the time. Mm-hmm. And so I say a, a consistent amount of money you're willing to lose every month that, that you set aside to buy, invest in stocks, real estate, cryptocurrency, whatever you're gonna do, and be very consistent. Take the emotion out, set a mathematical number, and just let's say it's $50 a month or 100 or 1,000, mm-hmm. whatever you got, and just do that every month. You're gonna catch the highs, you're gonna catch the lows, but this people say, Dan, you're so lucky, man, you're making millions of dollars from everything. And I'm like, yeah, I do, from many things. And I do, because that old guy at Radio Shack said, just take a couple hundred dollars a month. Start now. Mm-hmm. I mean, now's a better time than never. And just do a little bit, man. Like, don't freak yourself out. Do a little. And the best time to buy, obviously, it's easy to say this, is when there's fear, right? Everyone can say that, but, but try being scared and buying something. Yeah. And that's why I say that regiment, whether it's you're courageous or fearful, don't overextend. You know? mm-hmm. And that that seems to be at least one of the, the biggest, most common pieces of advice coming from billionaires that I've interviewed and millionaires that are you know, worth hundreds of millions is still that consistency. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's what people who, uh, you know, they say, you, well, if you want to put your money in the stock market, that's what the, the uh, mutual funds and uh, the, the, uh, the, the, you know, the, I don't even know what you call them, and I have money in them, <laughs> uh, uh, the bonds that you buy, the, the mutual funds, I guess, mm-hmm. where you buy a, a, a you, you have a little piece of a whole bunch of different stocks, mm-hmm. and they all perform kind of differently, but you have just a small portion of each one of them, because they'll all perform differently, but the whole fund is what, you know, performs, and... You know, you and they'll go up and they'll go down. You just stick it out for the long run, mm-hmm. and hopefully you're with one that performs well through the long haul, and don't get panicky. I get really worried though for friends sometimes because they just trust the four hundred one k or whatever their work provides them and says, mm-hmm. "Yeah, they're just gonna take care of me." But a lot of companies, a lot of people don't realize, a lot of companies they have these money managers and they make a percentage every year, a big. And they take this, and you don't know it. There's also investments that have, you know, a thing called a load. Mm-hmm. So when you put money in, it's called a front end load. They take a couple percent of your money as a commission, and then when you sell, they take another few percent, and then every year they take another percent or two. So literally, they're like little vampires sucking the life out of you, mm-hmm. and you never knew this. And the way to figure that out is to make sure you do understand what you're putting your money into. It, I mean, it doesn't mean you need to be a financial expert, but read, 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 you know? Mm-hmm. 
study, study, study. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, it's it is it is hard to do though. Money for somebody like you, money is it just comes naturally to you to understand it. I think you just sort of get it. For somebody like me, I don't get it. Well, I want you to think about this. No, I I I am very I'm a very slow learner. I mean, algebra five times, right? Six times almost, <laughs> right? The thing about it is, like, I force myself to learn. And now with, like, Google, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you just watch YouTube videos for a weekend, like, and anybody can become an expert on all the terms of how, you know, the stock market works or how real estate works or how a profit and loss statement works. And and this is stuff that, I mean, one weekend can make you, like, smarter than 90% of people a few decades ago that didn't have the internet yeah. went to school for for eight years. Mm-hmm. I mean... Do you have do you have uh, predictions about how do you think things are going to go uh, with the economy right now? Oh yeah. <laughs> now uh, my crystal ball is broken, but if it were functioning, mm-hmm. I would say that real estate's pretty hot right now, and it's going to cool pretty fast. Mm-hmm. And Bill, we've been around for a while, and we've seen all the cycles where everyone's like, "Oh, mm-hmm. sugar house is hot, buy, buy, buy," and then people bought the high, and then it dropped in half, and mm-hmm. then people were dumping it and losing their homes, right? Yeah. Um, so I would say that everything is probably going to cool fairly quickly, um, but that shouldn't be a time of fear. A few, but but a few things are going to happen. If, remember back in two thousand eight and nine, when, mm-hmm. and then you remember like Y two K time and all this. Stuff. Mm-hmm. We go we go back. Yeah, right? and you remember the nineties, mm-hmm. right? And the eighties. So, okay, mm-hmm. so this is the same cycle. Like so, this is why people should simply talk to folks who've been alive for a few, you know, many decades and say, okay, what happened? How did you feel? How did you deal with it? And I think most guys are gonna, and girls are going to say, that have been around for a while, are going to say, um, it's the same cycle every decade. Eight years to 15, I don't know, eight to 15 years. I think um, stock market will have adjustment. Housing will have adjustment. Um, interesting to see what interest rates will do because inevitably they'll rise. Mm-hmm. And if they rise, that's going to make money very expensive, which makes property go down significantly. Mm-hmm. People can't afford homes, though, because their incomes go down because when the economy goes tough, companies cut payrolls and lay off people and cut pay and people attrition. I mean, literally, if we remember back to 2008, nine. um, salary people were getting laid off and when they got rehired on they were getting paid half yep and they were grateful for just having a job mm-hmm. you know so this same story has repeated itself through thousands of years and how people can be prepared for that is what the old guy told me at radio shack constantly invest um and another thing i posted it on my facebook page rent if you can drive it or if it flies <laughs> rent it um some people have this big idea of, you know, buying some extravagant car, plane, toys, four-wheelers. Mm-hmm. Gosh, that stuff, you know, $1,000 spent on something nowadays, something as small as $1,000. I always say, if you bought the new iPhone for $1,000, 20, 20 years from that, $1,000, that phone probably cost you tw- like 20 grand mm-hmm. uh, for that $1,000 iPhone now because you take that money compounding at, let's say, 8 to 10% a year and then some bigger bumps on that. And by the time you're retired, that was $20,000 iPhone, man. Yeah. Um, or would I say $500 latte, you know? <laughs> I mean, it doesn't mean don't enjoy life, but consistently invest. I, it's a good time for people to go over their budgets now and cut out all those really dumb subscriptions. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, uh, you mean like, uh, uh, well, I, th- I think I do because I keep meaning to cut my uh, um, uh, subscription to uh, Xfinity, or not Xfinity, um, uh, XM satellite radio. That's oh. I gotta. I gotta cut that out. Go through your bank statement mm-hmm. and kill. Like cut down your Netflix or whatever, mm-hmm. or share it with your family. Whatever yeah. they're allowed to. Yeah. I mean your Spotify, your iTunes. Yeah. Subscri- there I mean, are there are a few things like that. I I, I do oh. that I. I got, and it's just like it's eight like bucks here. <laughs> eight bucks here. Ten bucks here. Twelve bucks there. I've got a bunch of those that I keep meaning to cut out. It's funny um, if you Google a little bit investment calculator. Take all those subscriptions that you have, and let's say you end up with an extra $200 a month, mm-hmm. and punch that in a calculator earning 8% a year over 20 years and see how much money yeah. you have. You have hundreds of thousands mm-hmm. of dollars, mm-hmm. and that's money that doesn't really do anything. I have this really cool uh, uh, program that uh, 
I wonder if you know about this. What's it called? I want to say I think it's called a- Acorn. That I just put it on my my bank account, and it every uh, week it just kind of scout goes through my my checking account, my you know, and it uh, takes a little bit out here and there, like twelve cents here, ten cents here, twelve cents there, and it puts it in a savings for me. Yeah, and and uh, I'm familiar and, with it. Yeah, and it just uh, then at the end of the the month it says, "Hey, look, we've just put this into a rainy day fund for you," mm-hmm. and I've got like eight thousand dollars in a rainy day fund that. Wow. You know, it just it just does it automatically, and, and uh, it's I think that's I think it's called Acorn. So that's that's something that's my son showed me that, and he goes, "Dad, I got a few grand saved," mm-hmm. and I and I was always devil's advocate. I'm like, "It's probably good because you're saving," and he's like, "Okay, Dad, well, what's wrong with it now?" Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "How much are they charging a year to manage your money?" I don't think they charge. I don't think they charge anything. How much are they siphoning on transactions? And that's an important thing just to know because they got to make money somehow. Yeah. And I don't know. And I tell my son, it may be good, it may not be, but just educate on yeah. any app, anything, any program. And, you know. Yeah, they don't. Place. I don't. I don't believe they charge anything for if it. If it's zero, then it's. Yeah, they don't. And I'm. And I can't remember how they make money. They do make money, but they don't charge for that. Wow, that could be good. They though. don't take a percentage. Wow. They must somehow that money. They do make money. And you're paying like a subscription. You pay once a year for them to do this, like one yearly fee, hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. I'll have to look. Some of these apps have different buckets. So they'll be like aggressive, medium, technology, real estate. But what you'll find is when they buy all those stocks in that bucket, there's an administration fee mm-hmm. that's in the prospective, that's in such fine print, you would need you know, microscope. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and they just kind of like they're siphoning, you know. Mm-hmm. Just be careful. I mean, I don't, you know. Yeah. As long as you're you, saving, it's good. Though. Let me ask you this: Do you gamble? You have no. a store. You have a store in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. You go there fairly often. I sh- I would assume. Do you yeah. do you ever gamble? Uh, very rarely. I mean, I think uh, I always put whenever I go, and I go maybe every three months or something. Mm-hmm. I'll take like fifty bucks, and play like mega bucks or something like that like a machine yeah Mm -hmm. just one of these machines just for fun and you know Mm -hmm. i I don't know i mean but no serious gambling i think i think that's about it yeah i was i just wondered you know because some people who are good at investing they're also fairly good at playing you know games of chance i've noticed but it's probably a dumb thing for me to do that because i'm Mm -hmm. thinking about statistically if i took a hundred times that i've done that i've probably only won like five times (laughs) Yeah, so that's not. I mean, I don't. I don't gamble. <laughs> it make. I don't like it because I, I'm just. It makes me too nervous. I can't do it. I just. It's very stressful. Yeah, it's yeah. too stressful. Don't, don't take do that it. habit on. Yeah, okay. no, I don't. I, I don't do it. I. <laughs> I can't. I can't do it. Uh, yeah, PC laptops. Um, of course, the main business you're known for. Um, when you walk into a store, people always they they it, it, it they still do it. I assume I haven't been in for a while, but they still everybody goes hey hello or whatever. They always. Yeah. Always do it. That's your you 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 want them to do it every time they greet you when you walk in, right? Mm-hmm. They greet you, and uh, they always say, "I love you." We we love you, people. You always say that, right? Yeah, and they, you know, they I teach everyone they have to mean it. I mean, really, you have to look at people like you really want to help, and people can feel it, you know. But this this that's probably, you know, with with the internet now, you see so many ads on the internet, so many companies going online, and everyone's like, "Oh, it's going to wipe out retail." Mm-hmm. I think this is the biggest opportunity in retail for any business right now than any time in our history. And this is why. Things are getting automated, right? You can go to Amazon and just clickety, clickety, click yep. anywhere, right? Right. But as long as you're selling to humans, humans need love and care. So whether, you know, someone's selling a car, a computer, a phone, or whatever, you're selling a restaurant, that human interaction and caring makes you want to go there. Like, we just got this coffee at, what's it called? What's it? Pub- uh, public public coffee? coffee house. Something public like coffee that. house. Mm-hmm. And the lady working there was so nice. She was. She's mm-hmm. like, let me, I go, I need lots of caffeine. She's like, well, let me offer you this caffeine. Mm-hmm. And now if that was a robot, I mean, I don't care that the, I, I literally probably would have paid another $2 for this cup mm-hmm. because the human being, like, cared. Mm-hmm. Like, that makes you feel good because yeah. we're humans. Yeah. You know, and until we are cloned and turned into the Borg or something, mm-hmm. We're gonna need that. Yeah. So, I want to ask you. Uh, this is the question everybody's always asked you. So I'm sure you have an answer. 
But um, so I just started this business, a couple of businesses. Oh yeah. Um, what What is your advice for people who just started a business? Do you have gen- you know? Oh, I can give you. Well, let me give you like the two minute one. Yep. Okay. All right. Let me give you the wisdom here. Let's see, if you're just starting a business, um, make sure that you have mentors. So people, so like find out who like the most amazing podcast Jedi is in the universe and establish some sort of rapport. And there's probably a whole bunch of them, but pick like the top three, kind of like I did with the best sales guys, right? Mm-hmm. And talk to those guys and ask them, hey, I'm going into this podcast business. Can you give me any advice? And, and people that are good people, they're not going to be all secretive typically. They're going to give you sound advice of how that business works, Okay. I can't tell you how important that is. And you have to offer some sort of value for those people. And so like some of my mentors are billionaires and like what, they don't need money from me, but they can use someone to talk to when they're having marital problems mm-hmm. or problems with their kids or need advice or something to cry on, you mm-hmm. know, shoulder to cry on. You'd be that person, right? Now on an actual practical level, I would say make sure that you have, um, you know, on an Excel spreadsheet. We're going to math here. I know this is a pain <laughs> in the <middle. laughs> But you have to write down all your income coming into your business and all your expenses on a sheet, okay? So all, all those things every month. And that turns out to be a, what they call a profit and loss statement. It's a pain, but you have to do it because you don't want to be blindsided at the end of, end of the month. And they say, uh, who was it that the, uh, they say that uh, it, was, it was a weird religious thing. I don't remember who said it. I think it was like is, the Israeli army said or something when they're, but it was like, God tends to be inside of the army with the most ammunition and largest artillery. <laughs> yeah. That's just how history goes. Yeah. If your business runs out of money and you can't pay your rent or your people, it's, it's not going to happen. You got to be, be prepared for tough times. But if you have that profit and loss statement, how much money is coming in, how much is going out, okay, that's important. Also, you don't want to be cheap, but you don't want to be wasteful. So for your business, obviously, you need the right equipment and mics. looks like you have some nice, nice mics here in the equipment to be able to put a quality product out. Mm-hmm. But a lot of companies will get romantic, and they'll be like, well, we need to have yeah. Italian leather chairs. And it's like, how is that going to help? You know, Just don't get wasteful with that. But more importantly is a process template. And what does that mean? This is a pain to do, but you got to do it. you got to write down an instruction manual of how your business runs correctly. So you're gonna write down daily. Okay, this is how Monday rolls, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, weekends. Mm-hmm. This is a checklist of what needs to get done. Office clean, mics polished, sound set correctly, payroll going out. You have to have a, an operation systems checklist okay. because quality is the lack of variance. That was taught by W. Edwards Deming, the guy who turned Toyota around. Quality is the lack of variance. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. So let me tell you. So this coffee house, uh, what's it called again? Pe- people's? Public? Public's public. Something like that. Public. Pub- public is cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But what's the difference between public and Starbucks? Probably not the qual- the taste of the coffee, but Starbucks has better quality coffee because the reason there is their processes are when you order a espresso, if you go to a thousand different Starbucks, it's going to come out pretty close to the same without variance because mm-hmm. their process does that. You know exactly what you're going to get. That's what people want. This is why people eat McDonald's almost more than anything and Burger King and stuff, right? Yeah, right. They, they know exactly what they're going to get. And the food's crap. It's not good for you, but at least you know you're getting crap continuously. Mm-hmm. You know the crap you're going to get. Right. Right? That's the thing. And that's why most businesses don't scale. And they, they you end up creating a job for yourself. We're working $100 a week. But if you want to scale, you create these processes. Why? Because then you can start hiring people, give them this manual, and at first you're the guy that makes sure they're just following the process. But then pretty soon you, fire, you, you hire a task, kind of a manager, and he makes everyone do that. And it doesn't mean you don't spot check, but you spot check less because you have someone to manage that. And that's how you get rich through time, like growing your business, you know. There you go. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> that's pretty simple. Yeah. I'll yeah. let you know how it goes. Have you yeah. done any of that? Yeah. We have a computer program we just got that does that. Should I actually write it down? I think the computer program does it. Uh, if the computer, as long as it's being tracked and you have that. Again, mm-hmm. if, I'm lucky that I uh, I have a business partner who's very much into making charts and graphs and 
keeping track of things. If it's written, it's not real. But I've heard a lot of nightmare stories where people say, gosh, my business partner screwed me so hard. Yeah. He was my best friend. You should know all of Educate yourself. Look at the books. You should have access to all the bank statements. Log in and make sure someone's not mm. tipping themselves, right. paying themselves weird things. Mm. Uh, don't let anything surprise I mean, you want, you want to be an optimist, but if, if anyone is secretive, like business partners or anything like that, like sunlight is the best disinfectant. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like you got to know how it works. And, and a lot of times people say like, I don't need to understand this because I'm a CEO. I can't tell you how much money I've lost because I didn't understand it. And then when I looked into it, I lifted up that rock. There was steaming poo under there. Uh-oh. And I yeah. thought people had had it handled. It, it, it cost me like a million dollars or something. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Mm -hmm. uh, so. Lesson learned. That's, that's, that's a key. Yeah. You've, but, you've had a few million-dollar lessons, have you? A lot. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> if you don't take risks, you don't win. But yeah. these, these lessons – they're meant to happen. A lot of them could have been avoided if I had listened to my mentors more. We're a little less cocky, and but through age now, you know, as you get older, we we have less time, and time is the only thing you you, you can't replicate. So uh, you can't make more of, right? Mm -hmm. So you can take some of that experience and be more efficient with how you swing that sword, even though you're not brute forcing it. Yeah, you can be darn accurate and, and make some. Listen, I have the perfect example of that. I uh, this was years ago, but I used to play racquetball a lot, and I was a young hockey racquetball player in my late twenties. And there was this uh, guy at the uh, at the court up in Ogden. His name was Norm Skanky, and he was seventy years old. Wow! And he was a racquetball champion. And Norm didn't move around the court a lot, but Norm knew where to place the ball playing racquetball. And Norm would say, I'll spot you 15 points. You know, and you play to 21, I'll spot you 15 points and we'll play. And I'd say, okay. And Norm would beat me every time. Because wow. Norm, he didn't move around the court a lot, but he knew right where to put the ball. And, and he could beat you every time. Wow. He, wasn't, he wasn't the most active, but he was smart and knew how to swing the racket. Knew where to put it. That's a great story. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. He was an expert. Uh, pleasure, Dan. Thank you. It was really nice talking to you. Very, very great talking to you guys. Thank yeah. you. Uh, Dan Young, PC laptops and and uh, Bitcoin miner, <laughs> apparently, and uh, a lot of other stuff. And uh, I'd really like, it'd be really cool to meet your dad sometime. Yeah. I thought, oh, man, what a story there. Yeah. Um, he loves to eat. Man. Uh, oh, does he? That man can eat more is, than me. Where is, he's so tiny. I mean, at least in the picture I saw of him, he's just a little guy, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, but that man, he can eat five times more than me. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he, you, has he ever told his story, you know, someplace where it's in a recorded fashion? And He's got a great story to tell. Yeah, he, he, he really hasn't. Um, sometimes he gets a little bit, he's 80, you know, eight, so he gets a little bit forgetful. Um, but you know, if you hold his hand, he'd probably be happy to tell you. You ought to get it. You ought to get that story down. Make yeah. sure that it's preserved somewhere and have have that story preserved because it's a good one. Uh, pleasure to talk to you, Dan. PC laptops, um, uh, and just don't be a stranger. And we'll talk again sometime. Plug your podcast. Oh, Dan's Millionaire Code on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, everywhere. Mm -hmm. All right, that's it. Thanks, right. Dylan. Uh -huh. Thanks, guys. Thanks Thank for hosting the show. And uh, that's it. I'm Bill Allred. Remember, if you're pouring the drinks, always make mine a double.